Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Well, with Thanksgiving on deck, we figured we'd start stuff on the table early, giving the Lakers fat 12-2 star, baby. Welcome back to the Hoopball Lakers podcast. As always, I'm your main man, Ethan Noroff. Thrilled to be joined by my co-pilot, J.C. DeLeon. J.C., how are we? Doing well. How are you? Man, Lakers are 12-2. and two. I think anybody would have signed up, signed up for that through 14 games, especially with a very winnable four-game road trip ahead, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think what the Lakers are looking for is to come out of this four-game roadie looking at a 16-2 and record because if the Lakers could start their first 20, dare I say 18-2, and tough but not impossible, it would set a standard for excellence that could certainly be matched throughout the rest of the season. And what I like about this Lakers team, before we get into the road trip, before we get into dissecting how this team is playing right now, what I like is this commitment to defense. You know, what I talked about all throughout this offseason, after the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes came and went, I sat here and said, look, the Lakers are going to be coached by a defensive-minded coach and Frank Vogel. They're going to have personnel that's capable of stepping up to the plate defensively, and they're going to have to win ugly and win consistently that way sometimes in order for this train to be driven forward. And as we sit here and record this podcast heading into Game 15, the Lakers sit atop the NBA in defensive efficiency at 97.7. JC, your thoughts on that, my man? Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything. It's it's easy to talk about that kind of stuff, uh, and it's really hard to implement, especially that kind of tenacity on defense. And I think it, I think it stems from the top. Obviously, LeBron um, putting forth the the effort and trying to lead uh, lead the team that way and. I think Anthony Davis uh, at the beginning of the season saying he wants to win Defensive Player of the Year. Like at this point, I mean, granted it's really early, early in the season, but at this point to have oh, two- but he's JC, he is. If the season ended today, he is Defensive Player of the Year. There's no question. Oh yeah, for sure. And and like at this point in the season to have two players on the same team that could in theory be in the conversation for both Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, like it's it's crazy. Not only is it crazy, but from a team perspective, it's clearly having an impact because, like you said, when LeBron commits to defense and, and obviously Anthony Davis is doing the same, you have a team that's lit by rocket fuel, and that's so much of that is effort. It's what I demand from my students in the classroom, and I tell them, look, that's part of your character. It's part of your heart. It's how much you show up when you're here. So that effort has been consistent and has been really across the board, and it's what led has led to the Lakers being the top team in defensive efficiency, a top 10 team in offensive efficiency, and a top 10 team in shooting perc- and true shooting percentage, excuse me, which is something I know a lot of people didn't expect. Yeah, and I know the, the formula of the Warriors the last few years kind of stood by, and it's a really hard formula to, t- to, to take, but if you can be top 10 in defense and offense, that's pretty much your, your route to a title. And Yeah, that's hard to do, but yeah, the Warriors have been the only teams that can do it. 
you know, the Rockets GM, Daryl Morey, has spoke to that exact point frequently. And although his team's offensive efficiency is through the roof, the defensive efficiency is what is still lacking at 105.1 for the Rockets. Offensively, they're top five team. They're at 109.0. That's not the problem. But the personnel certainly doesn't match up to be a defensive team. But in terms of the Lakers, it seems to be all clicking right now, and that's what we're here to do because we have to be excited about this start. LeBron James is leading the league, leading the world in assists. It's like he's 26. It's like he's found the fountain of youth. I want to say that all of this offseason rest and all of this offseason question has sort of relit some of the flame within him. Anthony Davis, although he struggled from the field and scoring for a couple of games, seemed to got himself back on track. The supporting parts are stepping up as necessary, even with Avery Bradley out of the lineup and this Lakers team every time they take the court. Whereas for the last decade, the question was, well, I wonder if we can win tonight. It hasn't been a question. In fact, it's been an expectation, even in the losses. Yeah, uh, I, I talked about two Mondays ago that had they not dropped that game to the Raptors, this would be an insanely impressive win streak. And I always look at things that are replicable and things that, that are likely not to happen again. Like in that Raptors game, their transition defense was bad. Something like that is cured is cured pretty easily with effort and just kind of you know going back to the tape and reala- realizing what you know how to address that. But, like, Danny Green also had his worst game of the season that game. And so it's like, yeah, the things that cost the the Lakers that loss against the Raptors aren't really a huge issue. Like, transition defense is, obviously. But, like, Danny Green's not always going to have a game that badly. And so, yeah, like, this is, this is a for real team. Like, it's small sample size still. But I think they've played enough games and they've shown enough to say that, yeah, this is a for real team. No question. And, you know, what the Lakers are doing well – in addition to that, like any good team can do, is they're rebounding the ball well, both on the offensive side and on the defensive side. And that's been a big part of it. The Lakers are a huge team. They have personnel that really no other contender can stack up with. Maybe Milwaukee when everybody is healthy, but with Chris Middleton out of the lineup, that's a challenge for them right now. And the Lakers are taking advantage of being a mostly healthy club after losing DeMarcus Cousins, obviously, shortly after uh, – they brought him into the fold, and now you have this continuity and rhythm and consistency that's starting to be developed, and that's how you get a good blend of anything. And while we're talking about good blends, I feel like it's a good time to talk about Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Our podcast, the Hoopball Lakers podcast, you can find us at Hoopball Lakers on Twitter, uh, in the Apple Podcasts app. You know where to find us by this point. And this podcast, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com or search them on Amazon. Just type in Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. You can also find them on Twitter at H-I Kona Coffee. As a reminder, we're on Twitter at Hoopball Lakers. JC, where can they find you? At JC Deleon one you can find me at Ethan underscore Noroff. You know we give our thoughts here on the Hoopball Lakers podcast. We love that you rock with us. And you ever want the extended version, which I highly recommend subscribing to, you hit the follow button on all three of those Twitter accounts we just gave you, and you won't miss any premium content, especially because JC is going to be starting to live tweet some of those Lakers games. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Um, I've got the league pass and everything. And so, yeah, I made it my mission to watch every, if not most of the games this season. So, yeah. It's an amazing feeling when a team that you root for is so good that you have to plan your social events around the games. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite feelings in the world. And with Thanksgiving right around the corner, as an educator, as somebody 
who has gone through a lot over the last week, especially with the tragedy that occurred at Saugus High School. I could not imagine a better time for everybody to come together for a restorative purpose to celebrate in the success and the enjoyment of others and each other. And while we all do that together, let's all turn on the TV and watch the Lakers game because this is a treasure for all of us. And I really, really, really appreciate the levity and the entertainment value that sports can bring into the world and the unification that it can serve amongst people going through a horrific set of circumstances or any set of circumstances that requires that unification because the city of Los Angeles, the greater county of L.A., I feel like the Lakers represent something greater right now, and I think for this season it could be a special one. So I'm hoping this could be just another part of the storyline in terms of how we come together and move forward from this. You feel me, JC? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think with the Lakers, you know, and all the great work that they do in the community, they would say the same thing. That's why we keep it going for this great and historic organization. And so with the Lakers' encore product, uh, I feel like we're at a place with this team where we know what we can expect. Even though Avery Bradley, of course, he's missed the last handful of games ever since being sidelined due to that leg injury, the hairline fracture. You know, we all sat here, myself, sort of half-joking. I said, okay, this opens the door for Alex Caruso now. And don't get me wrong, it has, right? But I thought it would open the door in terms of Alex Caruso in the starting lineup. And outside of the first game where KCP found himself in the first five alongside uh, in the back in the backcourt with LeBron and, Anthony, and in the starting lineup with Anthony Davis, et cetera, et cetera, with the exception of that first game where Alex Caruso actually replaced him at halftime in the starting lineup, I believe that was the Friday night game against Sacramento, KCP has, dare I say, been kind of good, question mark? What do you think, JC? Yeah, um, I talked about this a little bit on, on Monday. He, you know, it, it, in the end, it comes down to he's an NBA player. He's he's the top 1% of the top 1% of the NBA of basketball players in the world. He knows how to play basketball, and I think he's at his best when he's operating purely on instinct, which, um, and yeah, he's playing really well defensively, and so I think that feeds um, the team, as you know, that feeds, uh, feeds them on transition offense and things like that. And yeah, LeBron is really great at putting people where they need to be, and so he shouldn't have to do a lot of thinking when he's on offense. You can, you can tell the times that he's thinking and hesitating and the times that he's reacting purely, purely off instinct whenever LeBron hits him with an amazing pass or something like that. And so, yeah, he just needs to remember that he's an NBA player and he can shoot and he can make an open three. I think that is a great point that you bring to the table because KCP does tend to overthink things when he has too much time and when he can just kind of sort of hang him and bang him, I think is when he's at his best. So now that he's got himself into a rhythm and he's a confidence player, hopefully he gets himself out of his head and back onto the court. And so far it's been really nice because he's been a productive piece and a productive lineup, and I hope that continues both for the team and for him. We haven't heard much about Avery Bradley, so I don't expect him back in the short-term future. But with this Lakers uh, road trip ahead, I feel like this is a winnable road trip with or without Avery Bradley. And I feel like this is a road trip where the Lakers would love to come back and say we're 16-2 and at OKC, at Memphis, at San Antonio, and at New Orleans. Of course, the th- at OKC is Friday night and at Memphis is Saturday night. So I feel like that Saturday game is one of those schedule losses. We've talked about that before. That's a potential concern. But the Spurs have been struggling and this Lakers team should have the personnel to take them down. And the Pelicans are just too beat up. 
and Anthony Davis, you feel like, is going to want to deliver a message back in his New Orleans stopping, stomping grounds. JC, 16-2, and two, where we set the over-under at. Give me a percentage that the Lakers come out of this road trip 4-0 and and at 16-2 and two overall. Uh, I think the only worrisome game actually might be the Spurs, just because they, they've already played San Antonio once this season. Uh, that building's really hard to win in. Uh, every time I've gone to see LeBron play in that building, he always loses up until this last time. And so, yeah, I think, um, and the Spurs have had a little bit of a rough, rough time of late. Uh, the Pelicans, I think a lot of the Pelicans will be really motivated to play really well. Lonzo and, and Brandon Ingram, I'm sure, will be motivated to play really well. Um, I'll actually be at that game in New Orleans, uh, so I won't be able to live tweet that Beautiful. One, but, uh, I love it. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd, I'd say either either 4-0 or definitely 3-4. and They're not going to lose more than two games. They're not going to lose two or more games on this road trip. Well, you would certainly hope not. Anything, I mean, two and two would be disappointing, and anything more than that would be an utter embarrassment given the level of competition and what's on the line for this Lakers team. Look, I, I know they're going to play teams that are going to be scrappy, like the Pelicans, like the Grizzlies, like the Wizards, all teams that are on the schedule in the very near future. But those are games that the Lakers absolutely have to win if they're going to establish themselves as a real contender. Because, look, the reality that the Lakers could beat the Thunder, Grizzlies, Spurs, Pelicans, and Wizards, and Mavericks, to be honest with you, over the next handful of games is pretty good. The Mavericks, obviously, is a tougher task than I think any of those other teams just because of the superstar combination. Mm-hmm. But, that, but if you could go into that game on December 3rd against the Denver Nuggets sitting at a what 19 and 2 record at that point yeah you would be in good shape yeah I, I talked about that on monday too yeah they don't they don't play an ultra competitive really schedule until the december 3rd and then it's utah denver utah and then it gets a little easier to that portland minnesota orlando but then miami is really good on the 13th so yeah looking looking way ahead it's 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 still a mix of uh i mean they're they're looking at at getting into Christmas sitting very pretty. You know what the most, one of the most interesting characteristics of this Lakers team for me is after spending time under Luke Walton, who clearly wanted to push the pace at times, at what, all the time, but for me at times, it felt like he wanted to push the pace just for the sake of pushing the pace. The Lakers have very much slowed down this year, and I think it's worked tremendously to their benefit. Yeah, I think uh, they're a lot of times their defense can lead to fast offense, but yeah, they're extremely good in the half court defense, and so yeah, they have the ability to control it and slow it down on offense. And one of the things I've noticed too, uh, since Rondo has come back, uh, LeBron will defer to him to run the offense a lot, and so I think the biggest issue with LeBron in the past has been you know the, the where he would sort of take plays off and sort of rest on the court. He had a tendency to do that on the on the defensive end, and this year, now that Rondo's back, and he, you know, the, I've seen a couple of times like LeBron will grab a rebound and he'll immediately out, outlet to Rondo, and then he's walking back on offense and letting Rondo just kind of do his thing. And so, yeah, with Anthony Davis there and Rondo leading the offense, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think uh, I think he's he's choosing his rest plays on offense rather than defense. This, this Lakers team has a lot more to offer around LeBron, and that's part of the reason that LeBron has been able to take a step back, if you want to call it that, in terms of his ability to rest on offense, right? Although he's carrying the load in terms of facilitating the basketball, I think what's been impressive from LeBron's perspective is the fact that 
he hasn't been able to, or he hasn't been needing to do as much in terms of scoring because not only is Anthony Davis in the picture, but the overall supporting cast is just a whole lot better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what this Lakers team is starting to establish in terms of uh, its identity as well. In terms of the defense, you know, I think that's pretty much established at this point. But I think the consistency and the depth, because that was one of the things that a lot of people, when you were comparing the two L.A. teams to begin the season before the games were ever starting to play, everybody said, okay, it doesn't really matter that Paul George is out to begin the year because the Clippers are very deep. So with Kawhi and the supporting parts, they'll be fine. And sure enough, that was the case. And now that Paul George is back and Kawhi is back on the floor, then yes, of course the Clippers are deep. But the Lakers roster didn't offer that same necessarily uh, appeal on paper. But now that we've watched this roster play, hey, the Lakers are kind of deep, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, it, you know, it seems like Rondo is is content to kind of run the second team. And so I think the first to, have to take a rest is typically LeBron. And so Rondo is able to come in with some of the starters and – his familiarity. And by the way, I'm, I'm very happy that Rondo has not found his way into the starting lineup by default. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because, because yeah, for like I was saying, I think LeBron tends to take a rest first, and so Rondo still has his familiarity with with Anthony Davis. Uh, and right. Then, and then he's able to run the offense really well. And then yeah, same, kind of same thing with Dwight Howard. I think I think you and I kind of disagreed on whether or not Dwight Howard should start or come off the bench. But I still, it seems to me that he likes the energy that he, that he brings off the bench and. I see a lot of value in him in that second unit, kind of doing all the little things and and kind of protecting the rim when JaVale isn't there. No, and I, and I see that, and I and I see that too. I mean, I think honestly, it can go either way. Still, I'm not I'm not for or against it from a from a holistic standpoint or from yeah. A right right now, it's like splitting hairs. Yeah, right. I mean, look, the team is twelve and two, so obviously things are clicking no matter what's going on. And I feel like that's the key for the Lakers is just to continue to develop and maintain that consistency. And you know what really helps to develop and maintain that consistency is when the players actually like each other, and mm-hmm. that seems to be the case here. Yeah, I think I think I see a lot of the twenty sixteen Cavs in in this team or team the team that genuinely seemed like they really like being around each other. I mean, look, when you feel like part of something that's that's greater than you and you feel like you're contributing to that and everybody involved or at least the key players appreciate your contributions, of course, you're going to want to contribute that much more. It's like any job where, you know, if you gauge a random sample of the employees, you're going to get a smattering of answers in terms of what percentage of effort they provide. And that's directly correlated to their level of satisfaction and happiness. And it's the same concept in, in any team based exercise and especially basketball, these guys spend so much time with each other. So if there's a real issue between some of the key players, it's going to manifest itself on the court and within the locker room. It's just going to be toxic for the culture. Yeah, and I've listened to a couple of podcasts where kind of like what you described, that's pretty much Jared Dudley's role. Like he he keeps himself ready oh, to play. Oh, sure. Yeah, he keeps himself ready to play if, if he's if he's, they want him. And if not, he, he's there. And, and I think he's there to kind of, kind of keep – keep guys at bay and keep them, you know, keep them interested. Like I think we talk about the depth and KCP playing better. That pretty much means that Troy, Troy Daniels is falling out of the rotation a little bit. And I think he still has a lot of value to bring to this team. And so he's got to stay mentally ready to be, to come back whenever they need him, even though he's sitting at the end of the bench. You know, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see if Taylor Horton Tucker can 
become even a potential contributor this year because if he provides anything of substance, it's just going to be that much better for the Lakers and make them that much deeper. I'm definitely not anticipating it, but after an offseason that started with the Laker fan base celebrating a draft steal, it's just sort of funny to sit here and reflect a handful of months later that nobody even talks about it at this point. That's how much we've evolved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Life as a Lakers fan comes at you fast, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's the key with this Lakers team is it's going to come fast. And every night, this Lakers group is going to get the opposition's best effort. And obviously, not every night in the NBA is every night. You know, it's an expression. People work with me here. But by the (laughs) same token, what I mean is that usually the Lakers are going to get the opposition's best effort. The Lakers have a huge target on their back. Other teams want to be the team that beats LeBron, AD, and the Lakers. And so the Lakers aren't really going to get a night off at any point in the near future. You have to value the rest time, and you have to value uh, and dedicate the time to to really hone in on the craft in order to be consistent. And consistency and availability are two of the biggest keys in contending for an NBA title. Yeah, absolutely. If you sit here, right, we're sitting here, we're about to go through 15 games, so we're through a fair amount of the season at this point. Not quite a quarter, but well on our way there. JC, what percent would you say that the Lakers are on their way to the NBA Finals this season? Um, I mean, to me, I think the West pretty much kind of comes down to the Clippers or the Lakers. I don't have enough faith in, in the Rockets come playoff time to, to kind of figure it out. Like, they are playing better than I thought they were going to play, but I just don't I don't really see it. And I just don't think they have the depth or the defense. Yeah, same, and same thing with Denver. Denver, I forgot who it was in the jump that made the point that Denver can't sneak up on anybody this year. And so, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's only going to keep continue to be proven. $170 million for Jamal Murray felt like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Lakers don't have any decisions to make like that beyond will AD sign or will AD not. It's max money. Everything would indicate to you that he's on board for the future. But if I'm sitting here, obviously the Lakers winning the NBA title. Look, I want to say it can't hurt the chances, but then Kawhi you know, wins the title for the Raptors and says peace out. Different yeah. circumstances, I know, but by the same token, nothing is guaranteed. I think with the Lakers in terms of an NBA title appearance i think it's still you know if i had to sit here on on today and make an estimation look i still i still say it's a 65 percent chance i expect them to be one of the two teams that's in the western that's in the western conference finals and i think anything you know can kind of happen from there Mm -hmm. but so much of it is going to be dependent upon injury and health especially in a season that's already started to become defined by it yeah and i think one of the things that does help too is there aren't a ton of distractions on this team there aren't a ton of side discussion like i know with LeBron teams in the past in the East, because the East was weak, they would tend to start off really slow, and LeBron kind of takes his rest during the, the season. And the talk is always about, well, who are the Cavs going to trade for? Uh, you know, who are they going to get come trading deadline? You don't really have any of that this season. The only thing that could possibly happen is maybe they can get Andre Godal in a buyout. And I don't think if the only way to get him is through trade, I don't think they should do that. I think they should only get him if it's through buyout. I don't, I don't think they should part with, with any of these pieces. Um, you know, unless something else materializes. But yeah, you don't there there's not a lot of discussion other than whether or not A D will resign. So that only helps their focus. Without question, and I would really hate to see something like Alex Caruso go away in a trade for Andre Iguodala. 
But at the at the end of the day, I just don't think those two teams line up for a trade. And I think Andre Iguodala is going to find himself on the buyout market. I mean, we, look, we've sat here for a long time and said, of course, Iguodala would be the uh, sort of polish polishing off piece for this Lakers team. But this Lakers team is also looking pretty polished as is. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's sort of the one with all the leverage. Like at this point in his career, he can just tell Memphis, like, I'm I'm either going to retire or you can buy me out. Like, I'm, he's, right, he's in, yeah, he's in control of his no own way. destiny. Exactly. There's no incentive for him to uh, sort of compromise with them in any sort of official capacity because what exactly is he giving up anyway, right? Yeah. I know when we give up on an episode of this podcast, and when I say give up, I mean, you know, have to say goodbye to you guys. I know everybody gets kind of sad. So what do you think in terms of final words as we go into this weekend? We got a back-to-back and then game three on the horizon on Monday, three games and four nights. You think the Lakers come out with all three? Uh, I do, yeah. I feel like the Lakers are going to come out with all three, play a familiar OKC team after a victory on Tuesday night, then go on the road to Memphis to play the Grizzlies, and then set their sights off in San Antonio in a rematch against the Spurs from earlier in the season. I feel like this Lakers team is going to continue to play very ferocious defense. I feel like the offense will continue to improve, especially as LeBron and Rondo continue to get into that flow. And as long as Anthony Davis is going to remain on the court, I feel like this Lakers team is going to be one that a lot of fans have been waiting for for the last decade. JC, tell them again where they can find you before we let them go. At JCDillion1 on Twitter and Instagram. You got it. You can find us and our show at Hoopball Lakers on Twitter. Please find us also in Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the content, five-star review, and that feedback is what really helps propel this show. So we appreciate it. And as always, I'm your main man, Ethan Noroff, at Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F on Twitter. Find me on there. Enjoy the show. And until next time, we out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.